0: morning and welcome to coffee with the Sarlows. i'm kelly good morning i'm karen okay kelly we'll start with show notes
1: on april 27th august 24th and december 14th of 2018 we have our evening with mediums at the hampton inn in north bay from 7 to 9 p.m people can get tickets for that at bysarlo.com and we should point out to people that you can get tickets at the door but it just isn't happening
0: No, we're selling out, which is wonderful. So we definitely recommend getting your tickets ahead of time.
1: And we're already half sold out for the April event. Okay. Um, Sips of Sanity is a second podcast series where Kelly and I sit down again and chat. Um, It is available at com, not on iTunes. You go to the same spot where you get coffee with the Sarlos, and there will be a second icon there. Those shows are 10 minutes each, roughly, right?
0: Yeah, I think we push the the bar and go over. Okay. But 10 to 15 minutes, they're bite-sized pieces, and they are themed topics from Monday to Friday once a month.
1: At the beginning of each month. And we like to think that those shows have lots of tools for you to listen to. If you're enjoying these shows, but wish that you could get more detail and right to the point, those are perfect for you. We have personal sessions. Both Kelly and I have private practices separately, just so people understand that. And they can reach us at bisarlow.com. All our contact information is on the website to reach either of us. We have gift certificates available in any denomination and they are good for people anywhere in the world because we do FaceTime, Skype, and telephone all over the world. So you don't have to be in person to get to purchase, or to receive a gift certificate.
0: Wonderful. And what are we doing today? Today's
1: show is about two separate treatments for two different women. I think it was the same day or maybe within 24 hours about sisters. One person in particular has consented to me speaking about this today, and she actually wrote down some questions.
0: Like questions that she had for the session or questions... Afterwards, for you,
1: questions that she wanted me to ask listeners. Oh, neat. Yeah, we had her session and afterwards I asked her for consent and she said yes. And then we had a little chat afterwards where she said a few questions to me and I asked her, are these things you actually want me to ask the listeners? And she said, absolutely. So she wants to participate in today's show without being a guest. I love it. (laughs) Um, And I told her that her story, I would try and get bang on, you know, to explain it to people. And then the next day, I had another lady come in. And hers is very different. People will hear the differences here. But the second lady ended up sort of going through the same set of questions in her process of how to come to some decisions. And I just think this is really cool for people to hear it that way. And then most importantly, of course, is as a listener, how does this apply to your own life? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, why are you listening?
0: Yeah, we're not generally entertainment. No. Although I do find you highly entertaining. <laughs> I don't think that's a secret. <laughs> okay. Story one. Okay.
1: Yes. Story one. All right. So story one, um, what are we going to call her, Kelly? You pick
0: the name because you're always poking Martha. fun at me. You picked Martha? I know. I just feel like I should be your daughter and follow along. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Brianna or
1: something. (laughs) Okay. So Martha, the first client, she's the one that came in person. What she came for was to find out her soul contracts with her own soul. Now she has a daughter. And she also wanted to know what the contracts were between her, her and her siblings. And like, I'll say in general, a family unit. That's all she asked so what came through for her now and these people I should mention are alive you should mention that yes i'm going to because that's very <laughs> no, important that's oh yeah it is because well you'll see why so um when she asked about the contract the biggest one that came through at the very at the start of all of this was that she was here for her own soul's purpose to break the agreements to break her own patterns, and the patterns of the family unit, that her soul chose this lifetime to repeat patterns that she'd had from past lives. And that as she saw the truth in her own siblings, and in her own parents, and in her own behaviors, that she would be asked some of these questions.
0: I want to stop just for a second, just to pause you, you pause a lot and kind of reiterate points that I make too. The, her contract, what you're saying, was to break patterns and and I'll say traditions as well, because traditions perpetuate patterns, and that's actually what fulfilling a contract means. Mm-hmm. And I want to word it that way because some people believe that when you walk away from a family, or a friendship, or some type of relationship, whether even if it's a job, that you are the quitter, that you are the one who walks away and breaks things. And sometimes the breakage itself is fulfilling the contract.
1: Yeah. And you, that's
0: that's her story today.
1: That's right. Even though the family and the people around might say that she's the problem. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the story in her family. She is the white sheep. Well, black sheep, purple sheep. I'm just saying. She's the one, the scapegoat. I don't know, there's a lot of different expressions and I'm trying to be kind. I'm trying to say it's not about a color I'm trying or ethnicity or anything like that. I'm trying to say that it's where we put our focus mm-hmm. on one person and then make it that they're the problem for the family. And that, in fact, her contract was to be able to say to herself that she valued her own life. She valued her experience here as a spiritual being, trying to grow more than she was going to value being abused by her family. And some people might say, well, why would you ever value abuse anyway? But all you have to do is look around you and see how many people that are still in it and won't leave. And that should tell you that they do value it. So her sister's spirit came through in that session. To say a lot of these things, and I'm going to give some examples of what came through in the treatment. She said things like, "My sister, Martha, and I have always been best friends, best buddies. Our kids hang out. Um, we always h- hang out. We sleep at each other's houses. We go on vacations together. We're close. But behind her back, I talk about her to the rest of the family. The rest of the family doesn't." do the same thing as me they're mean to her they're outright mean she has a brother who picks on her outright who's mean to her to her face and she came to understand in that session that he was there to be the one to say this is black and white what aren't you getting I abuse you I don't like you you keep coming back what's your problem but he's outright with the abuse Mm -hmm. and she stays in it because she believes the sister loves her and that this is family and so his, her sister will say things to her like well, yes he's mean He'd, he and she will badmouth the brother to martha
0: so, so she that, plays both sides
1: yes and it came through finally in that session that day for her to see that her sister was doing this she suspected it she was just starting to notice that her sister was becoming like her brother She was starting to let her facade drop. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And this is what prompted the call. This is what prompted the session. Something had just changed. The sister that says she loves me is starting to behave like the brother that outright says he doesn't. That's confusing. That's confusing for Martha. So when she goes to challenge her sister to say what's going on, That's when she plays the game and comes back and is nicer to her again, or comes right back and she's mean to her again. But Martha's still not certain what's happening. Why are things changing? She thinks things are changing, but nothing is really changing. Her sister has always treated her badly, but just not to her face. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's a very difficult one. And I'm pausing because I I think... That people who are listening to this, if they're going through it, and it's happening to them, this is a moment of, it's a moment of awareness, Kelly, but it's a moment of just massive grief. It's like hearing somebody's died.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're hearing betrayal.
0: It's loss. That Grief makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. And so she was listening to this because...
1: She was even seeing it in the way that her sister was treating her daughter, and one of the things that came through in the session was that the sister—let's oh, let, name her. Can we name her Bev? Sure. Okay. Let's go with Bev. So the sister who's being mean is Bev. So she likes Martha to stick around because Martha's a single mom.
0: So less than her? Yeah. So she. I'm th- making that as an assumption, not as a, a judgment.
1: Yeah, but you're correct. Uh, yeah, in I'm your just assessment. pointing it out
0: so that when people hear that it's not a shock that the Sarlo's think that. It's understanding where the entitlement to bully can come from. Yes. Where they feel better than because you're single. Yes. So, Bev is married.
1: She's not happily married unfortunately, and I think that's part of what prompts some of the bullying towards her sister is that she's feeling that she's being bullied in her marriage, she bullies back though. But then she turns around and she bullies her sister and her brother, but her brother bullies back as well. So Martha has quite a few people in her family that bully each other in different ways. Mm -hmm. And Martha is really an interesting person because she's trying to grow her spirituality. She's trying to grow her emotional intelligence. And she's becoming aware of it because of things like the verbally abusive relationship book. She's listening, she's learning, and she's recognizing now. So now that she's able to see things and identify them, they're not sitting with her anymore. So her emotions are changing as her awareness is changing. Mm -hmm.
0: Isn't that fabulous? It's sensible. And that's not to take away from the magic and the excitement of when someone finally gets it. I just want to put it in plain terms of it's sensible Mm -hmm. because when you come from when you were saying she, she sees and thinks everything's changing, confusion happens and you feel crazy. And sense can't sit where crazy sits.
1: You've worded it perfectly and said all the points I wanted to make and why this show's coming on today. Oh. You, and I, I love how you do this because I get to tell the story and you actually pull out all the points. Thank you. That I've written on my notepad. And it's it's beautiful. So thank you. Mm-hmm. She's coming into her own rationality and her own reality. And she's trying to create a healthy reality for herself. And I think this is absolutely the best love story ever is with herself. There There's a love story right there. Not she found him. Or he found her, or she found her, whatever. She found herself. What an incredible story. And a huge amount of work.
0: I think it's one that we talk about in the Western world of having and working on. But you can't actually have that relationship with yourself if you stay in what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. It, there's a difference between talking, what is it? Walking your talk? Mm-hmm and just talking your talk. And that many people are just talking it and not actually doing it because the doing it means that you're, you're tired, it means that you're sad, it means that you're angry. It means that you have to process emotions. It means you have to actually make decisions and stick to it and create healthier environments. Sometimes it means that you're isolated for a while or you feel alone. But it's in the aloneness that you actually get to be yourself and love yourself. And that's not lonely. That's fulfilling. That's where we get grounded. That's where we fill ourselves up. And she's learning that. But the point I wanted to make too today was that this sister thought that she was above Martha Bev. She thought she was above Martha because Martha is a single mom. So because she has a partner, she thinks that she knows better and that she parents better. I don't even know how that goes together in the same sense. I sentence.
0: know. I think the single ones wear the capes. Me too. And not in a way of being better just in sheer magnitude of responsibilities.
1: Yeah. And re- and I think sometimes too we have to point out that there are married people who are single parents as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a good point to make too.
1: Yeah. Because not every married couple are partners.
0: And some of them are, but physically aren't together and, and can't be for work or, yes. or whatever that reason is. And so yeah. even though there's tremendous amounts of love, you still are a single parent. Yeah, it can be for a number of reasons. Like
1: you said, it's, it's that you might have a wonderful love relationship, but distance keeps you a single parent, as you've mentioned, the, or, or illness. Mm-hmm. It can be for some people that they have a loving, yeah. they're they a loving couple, but an illness or an injury prevents one parent from fulfilling all kinds of responsibilities in the role. There are many reasons. But this particular person, Bev, she doesn't have any of that. She doesn't have those good reasons. This is out of meanness. This is out of her own hurts and not dealing with her own pain in her own life from her parents marriage, and from her own current one. And so because of her, all of her own pain, she likes to make her sister feel in small ways and in big, huge ways, just by little comments, or I'll ask you for your opinion about what I should do with my kids, but then um, I'll go and ask my brother instead. Once her sister Martha has given her an opinion, she'll do the exact opposite every time. But she'll do things to make sure that her sister sees it and knows it without it being said. So she, she, she sets it up. She plays games with her sister. Mm -hmm. And I think Martha is seeing that clearly now so that she can sit back and say, well, that's not respect. That's not love. Even though Bev can say, oh yeah, I love you. It's another lesson about life is that we can hear the words, but if they don't match the actions and the way we actually feel by that, with that person in that relationship, If there's confusion, you're not being loved. And that's what you have to trust the most, is your knowing, is your experience, is your own reality. And Martha's coming to that. She's coming to that place. There's a lot that she asked that day. One of her questions she said to ask people is, can you choose to define what a family is? Instead of it having to be a brother and a sister, or I don't know. A mom and a dad can you choose it and this is what she's now being presented with and you know Kelly we hear those quotes you know you could you choose your family or no what is it biology what's the quote
0: I'm messing it up and you're laughing
1: no I I don't know it oh something about that you can you can't choose your family but you can choose your friends or something
0: at a certain point you do choose your family
1: Yeah, and that that was her question is, can you choose your family instead of thinking that it has to look this way, it has to be a mom, and a dad or uh, two moms or whatever it is? Can it be single? And that's a family? Can it be a grandparent? Can my family be my friend's mom is my mom? I think a lot of people can resonate to friends, parents, parenting them. And sometimes we have to be able to know it and acknowledge it and be able to say it to those people you are my mom so that when Christmas and Thanksgiving or Mm -hmm. birthdays come along they know oh I am their mother figure Uh, I'm I will have them for supper I will call them I will not assume their biological parents are their go-to people Mm -hmm. and that's about communicating another question she wanted me to ask people was about boundaries and she said ask the your listeners if they even have boundaries and ask them if they even know what they are.
0: Yeah, because so often people will sit in our chairs and say, "Oh no, it's okay. I don't have any boundaries." And it's like, "Well, that's actually not okay." <laughs> yeah, that's do you not mean a in good a thing. life,
1: or do you mean in this room? Yeah. <laughs> like, and you're right, though. Some people don't have any in life. And she she asked us to ask that question because a lot of people are raised to believe that if it's family, you're not supposed to have any boundaries, because that means you love them unconditionally. <laughs> I over that I know you tease me about over But the whole thing about love is unconditional is crap. That sets people up for being abused and narcissists to abuse like crazy and bullies to get away with it. There have to be boundaries and they have to be healthy. So her question was, ask people because I think to some degree, she may have felt that she didn't have them, or that she didn't set them or that she let them waver, because it was family and for family, you should because it's my brother because it's my mom or whatever, instead of the self respect and saying, No, there are some boundaries I should never, never move. Not for anybody. Because it's about making myself safe. It's about self-respect too, because sometimes family members want to abuse you and move your boundaries so that you are left with no self-respect. So she had some lovely questions for everyone today. Am I moving on to the second story? Or did you want to throw anything in there?
0: No, I'm, I'm, I like the story being told and just kind of popping in here and there.
1: Okay. The other question she said to ask everybody, I just saw it on the page, so I want to throw it in for her. Do we accept the family we are given by birth? which is kind of what we were saying in different ways. But I just thought it was a really cool way to word it too. And I know some people don't. And sometimes I think we feel sorry for those people and we don't understand how much work they've done and how bloody happy they are.
0: Well, and I think there can be a level of accepting and and we do hear it when people really get finicky with their words where they say, well, yes, she is my mother, but she's not my mom. Hmm. Right. And, And that's just one example. That's a good one though, I like that.
1: Shall we go to the second story? Okay, the second story was the next day and Margaret came, I think I use Margaret a lot. I like a lot of M words. Okay, (laughs) Margaret came and she was an older lady and she sat down in the chair and said I would like medium and I'd like some family members. And I said, okay, so I wrote down on the page, mom and dad had passed away, sister and sister-in-law brother. And I think I wrote it mom, dad, sister, brother, sister in law, in that order, something like that. It was it was important. But anyway, so she said yes, her dad started the session off coming in talking about his character. And I'll say in a TV fashion, kind of medium way where it's like I had brown hair, I died of a heart attack, like that kind of thing. And then her sister just pushed her way in and said to me, she wants to hear from me it's her sister she actually wants her sister-in-law instead of me but could you just say that I'm pushing my way in and would that be okay with her we have some unfinished business and I could feel anger and hurt a whole bunch of difficult emotions so I mentioned this to Maggie and she said yep that's exactly why I'm here she said I do need to speak to Oh, I went from Margaret, Margaret to Maggie. To well, shortened
0: her or whatever. People probably make notes when you're talking and, oh, she's calling her this now. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, Margaret, Maggie, same person. So Meg, uh, her sister came through who is deceased and said, when I was alive, Karen, I was extremely bitter. I was very angry, but underneath it all was an unbelievable amount of sadness. She said, I was isolated from my family and I wasn't talking to anybody when I passed away. I wasn't talking, well, not to the dead people. Um. Okay, that sounds funny because I have all of the dead people in the room. So she, before she died, she wasn't talking to the people that were alive. Yeah. But I think everybody got that except Probably. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, because I have them all talking to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So she stopped talking to her remaining living brothers and sisters and in-laws because of all of the sadness that she felt. They thought it was just because of all of the anger that she felt and that she was bitter towards them. But she actually stopped talking to them, Kelly, because she was trying to become healthy. She stopped talking to them and the anger and the sadness were still there in regards to them. But she was choosing her life. So she was trying to find people and things and experiences and a community in different ways that were going to build on her life experience. She wanted to be happy and the family that she knew as it was, picked on her. And they had, since she was a child, she was the oldest. And she was the one that cooked and cleaned. And I guess to some degree, some people might say sounds like a Cinderella kind of sister she did the work. And they didn't appreciate it. The siblings didn't appreciate all of the work, they knew she did it, they appreciated it for a while, but they forgot. And as she aged as they all were aging. One sister, the one that was sitting Maggie, she made friends with her sister in law. And so she felt very much like, well, I can push my sister out and not solve any of the problems or have to communicate. I have a sister. I'm close to this one. So I'm not going to work on anything with my sister who's passed. I'm not going to apologize. And there were there were a lot of things to work out and apologize for. So if people can hear that, then they might understand that the sister that's passed over has, I'll say to some degree, because I'm not trying to judge it as Karen, but she had a right to being hurt and to being angry. And that many of the siblings just didn't want to deal with it. They wanted her to do the work for the family, but they didn't. And they, I want to say to some degree, they, they did appreciate that she did all of the work, but they didn't want to work on a relationship with her.
0: Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? That's awful. Yeah, it is. Interesting would not be my choice.
1: Yeah, I just say that sometimes to give people a, a moment To think of what it is to them. Because, and and I know you're going to respond, so that's good too. And some people may listen to that and go, there's nothing wrong with that. Or turn this off right now because they're doing it to their own sibling. And they want to get away with it. They want to be able to do the very same thing that Maggie did. So Maggie was sitting there and again, like I said, she's probably in her mid to late 70s now. She's showing up. She wants to hear from her sister because she wanted to be able to move past it. She waited till her sister died to do it, though. She'd never made any effort on earth to speak to her. So her sister who crossed over came through and said, you purposely waited till I was dead so that you could come and listen to all of this through a medium instead of having to actually sit in front of me and see that you hurt me. And it was really interesting for me to sit and give all of those types of messages to a grown woman. And for her to sit, I just, I just observed her thought, what is her reaction going to be to having me say all of this to her? Does she feel safe enough? Is there distance enough between her and her sister to not care? Or to say, okay, I can take it now. Does she really feel any sadness? Does she really feel any remorse? Does she feel anything? I just waited a little while. And I wondered if she felt shame. And because of the synesthesia, I could see her and feel her struggling between wanting to keep it in a compartment still over there. Or do I open up the box? And I could feel her wanting to go over to the box and open it. And I could see her dead sister watching her spirit, Maggie's spirit go over. Do I really want to feel what's in that box, what I did to my sister? Do I want to or not? And the, the struggle she was going through, that's a good way to word it, isn't it? The struggle she was going to with her feeling with shame. Because if she opened the box, would she feel sad? Would she feel shame? What would be in the box if she had to identify or allow it to flow through her body? I say body. I don't know. I'm going to say body because where would she be holding that in her body, right? Mm
0: -hmm. It
1: was really cool just the way I got to see that, Kelly, how she was sitting in the chair looking at me with a stone face, not wanting to express anything. And staring out the window at the backyard on a winter morning. And where I saw her spirit kind of standing up and walk over to this box like, Should I try? Am I scared to feel these things? What do I do? And her dead sister standing there saying, Well, let's see. This is a moment. She wanted it. That's why she booked the appointment with you, Karen. What is she- Let's see if she's going to take it. So that's where that occurred. Then her sister-in-law came in and said, uh, I'm her sister-in-law, we had fun. We were we were the, the, the two that got along and, and hung out and we cooked and we knit and we went from one thing to another all day long. I married her brother and I passed cancer. She took care of me when I was dying. We were like best friends and I don't know what my life would have been without her. It was, we were fantastic. But I now know I'm the reason or one of the reasons why she didn't forgive her or not pardon me not forgive. She didn't go to her sister and work things out. Maggie triangled me. And it was like, Oh, okay. So whenever she felt guilty about the sister, who she was mean to, she'd immediately pick up the phone and call the sister in law. So she didn't have to deal with the feelings. But now on the other side, she's got her sister-in-law and her sister, and they figured it all out. Hmm. The gig was up. And Maggie's on earth trying to sort through something she thought she had, well, she got away with for decades, Kelly. And she was sitting in that moment. And I thought this was so cool, these moments where you have choices about whether you want to process and feel something. They've both passed over now. She doesn't have to work through any of it physically with either of these women. She has to work through it within herself.
0: I think it's neat because those are those are very common situations where people sit in front of us, and we also say in that same type of session, "Your pancreatic cancer is from your shame. yeah, it manifested because of shame, not because of diet, <laughs> and people have to sit there. And and really have a what the fuck moment. Mm-hmm. What do you mean my shame could cause me to be ill?
1: Mm-hmm. I thought it was so lovely how these two, the sister and sister-in-law for Maggie, both came through in that session to say, we're together on the other side and we've worked it out. What do you want to do today? We're here for you. What tools do you want? What are you going to ask Karen? Where do you want to go with this? What's the future? What's the contract? What's up? What are you doing, Maggie? Are you waking up? Poke, poke, poke. (laughs) Like it was really done beautifully, kindly, Mm -hmm. compassionately from both the sister and the sister-in-law. They were both equally rooting for Maggie. Cool. And when she heard that, boom, the box opened. Mm -hmm. And then the tears and then the can you tell her I'm sorry can you tell them I miss them both that is healing
0: Mm -hmm. that That is letting go yeah Yeah. this modern day stuff and I know we talk about it all the time those cliches of letting something go how do you if you don't get to the bottom of what it is yeah yeah, I just
1: uh struggle as you know with that when people say to let go and I say you can't until you work it out. Yeah. It it's bullshit to be able to say that you've let something go unless you've actually worked through it. Mm-hmm. You have to go right through it. You can't just turn around and forget it. You have to get your answers, you have to do your work, you have to feel the feelings, all of that. Otherwise, you're just talking the talk. And you have to figure out what kind of a person you're, you are. Are you the talker or the walker? Mm-hmm. Which one? I want to be around the walkers. Mm-hmm. That I know. Because I think when you're one yourself, you want to be around other people who are because they understand process. They understand patience. They understand when you're working through integrity. Because when you're working through your own integrity, you learn damn fast to apologize. Mm-hmm. You will learn damn fast to mean it, and to make sure you don't do it again and again. People with integrity don't don't wear apologies and throw them out like they're post-it notes left, right, and center. They know the value, and they know that when there's an, when you apologize, or someone else's, that you have to let them. You have to sit in an apology with somebody. And that's what we did with Maggie. That's lovely. And I Kelly, like I was so excited and so happy. there's Karen's happy dance moment to sit with Maggie. I felt privileged and honored to sit with her and her sister and sister-in-law. What a what a wonderful group of women. The two on the other side to come forward. To allow her to be truthful yeah, about everything. And how her sister-in-law said, come on, honey, come on, Maggie, get there.
0: And that that's what we also refer to as holding the space for someone. Oh, I love that.
1: I know you hold the space for me. Same. I know that there are key people in my life that have the capacity to hold space for me. They are my dearest people. They're the humans I can share the planet with happily. Yeah. And there's your trust. So if someone's listening to this thinking you're having problems trusting somebody, maybe there was something in the story or these two stories to listen to today. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm done. Okay. I I loved both stories in the two days. I felt like they meshed so much for me. And helped me with some of the things that I live through in my own personal life. I know. Whether it's family or friends and how you have to walk away. And I think anybody listening to this don't know. I, 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 I know in my own experience, I've had to walk away and people have walked away from me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: People have shut me out and said, you're not my person. My this, my that, whatever relationship it is, my friend. And I've done it to others as well. So that I can try to be healthy. But I know some people walk away. Not because they're trying to be healthy. But because they're in their own abuse. And so to them I say thank you for not dragging me into your abuse. Thank you. It's a different kind of thank you isn't it? Mm -hmm. Thank you for leaving me alone. Yeah. Alrighty. I'm done. Okay. Isn't that a great way to end it? Mm-hmm. Thank you for leaving me alone. <laughs>
0: yes. It <laughs> so actually much. is, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: It's a good kind of thank you.
0: Well, if you have questions or comments about today's show, you don't have to leave us alone. <laughs> uh, you can email us at info at And of course, uh, we love to use all of those, those questions and suggestions for, for new shows. We hope you have a wonderful weekend.